Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you. Hello again, fellow basement dwellers. It's your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you into another edition of Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. Exciting day here on the bandwagon. Back after a brief hiatus is the Reverend Ray Cash on the bandwagon alongside the live studio audience, PC Tunney, and the lawyer himself, David Ungar. Of course, I'm the curmudgeon of the group, the Debbie Downer, ready to ruin the hopes and dreams of one Ray Cash when we talk about the uh, Shang-Chi trailer. So it's going to be a great show today. Loaded show as usual. Welcome back, Ray how how how's it going? How you feeling back on the bandwagon? Well, first and foremost, good to be back. Good to be with my brothers again. Number one, number two. Thank you guys for holding it down. Um, I feel holding it down. I know, and I know this isn't my show. This is y'all's show, and I'm just a part of it. But I feel because I'm on so much and I care about what I do so much, I feel bad that I had to step away for a while. So I'm appreciative of you guys allowing me the time to handle what I have to handle. So I appreciate that. Um, but I feel like that rookie who just got drafted and is about to play his first game all over again. And it's hilarious. I don't know why. Because I talk to y'all every day. Well, so we sent you down to get some seasoning. We sent you down to, to, to AAA. I was in AAA. <laughs> get a little, get a little Race in G, in. G League. You me, you're in G League, You Ray. sent me to Pawtucket? I'm in Pawtucket. I mean, if you're a Boston fan, but I'm, I don't I'm know. We send you to Springfield. In I'm in Rio Grande Valley. How about that? Since I live in Houston. There you go. There you go. But uh, of course, it's great to have you back. Uh, glad to have you on the show. And, you know, we'll uh, it'll be like you never left. I don't I don't even know why, you know, you're talking like you feel like you're a rookie. You, you've been on the show God, for over a year at this point. Right. Something like that. Yeah, but you guys are you guys are so damn good at what you do. This this is I, I'm very proud of the shows I'm a part of, and all of us have our own separate shows. But this is my favorite show on on the entire network. So like, it's, stop. I have oh, to keep my game. I'm I'm just saying. I'm telling you, everybody who comes on the show says that. Keep going. Go ahead. I'm just saying. Everybody who comes on the show says that this is my favorite this, show. This is my favorite show that has nerds in the title. <laughs> no other show ever that has the word bandwagon is better i'm just gonna say if you ain't first you're last so there you go we are thrilled we have a great show as usual in front of y'all we are going to of course talk about loki episode three halfway point Already, we're going to go to the trailer park, a loaded trailer park this week, as uh, we got a late addition to what we already had on the uh, on the docket. And then we're going to just ran, we're, we're going to wrap rather wrap it up. Easy for me to say. My God, who's the rookie, Ray? See who's the rookie? Hey. Even the even the seasoned vets have their moments. Uh, but we're going to take a little trip around the nerdosphere, a bunch of just hodgepodge items here and there things that struck my fancy tickled my fancy though i did pick the last topic just for you so i hope yeah look at you get a little of the clint there 
Uh, I don't do that for Dave. Like Dave doesn't get that kind of treatment. I mean, this is the second time today you're hearing Dave and my's voice. If you if you listen this morning as Dave and I previewed the Stanley Cup Finals with PC Tunney's Tampa Bay Lightning finishing the job, heading into the you know the matchup against the quote unquote team of fate in Montreal. That ought to be exciting. That series starts tonight, Monday night. Should be good, but. We ain't here to talk about sports. We're here to talk about nerd stuff. And specifically, we got a Marvel show to cover. So we're going to hit the music and talk a little Loki. Okay. Well, Enchantress, anyone? Loki, yeah, hell of a start, Pat. There you go. So how about that show? I just let it off with Enchantress, anyone? And all y'all did was shit all over. See, this is what happens. By the way, I meant to go on this rant before we even got into the business. How come whenever I'm gone, it's like... I suddenly I became the evil empire. Like uh, the, my favorite quote from shows when Patrick O'Dowd isn't around is, well, Patrick O'Dowd probably wouldn't let us talk about this. Patrick <laughs> O'Dowd would disapprove of blah, blah. Patrick O'Dowd. Who, who am I to you people? I like what? You really want us guys, to answer that? Hey, probably. you guys, Patrick's here this, this week. Sit up straight. Oh, that's from a bad. Hold on. <laughs> Hey, uh, Battlingus, anyone? I- I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. You're better. You're better than that, by the way. You are better. I listened to every insipid better, second of that. At that. Oh, we still need to trademark that, Pat. I'm just saying, man. That's a good Ballingus, one. Yeah, I, man makes an offhanded comment, gets turned into part of the show. Okay, so Sylvie is enchantress. Yeah, can we agree to that? Highly likely. It would seem that way, like you, like like anybody listening to uh, what was I don't know. We talked about it on Chair Shot, or maybe it was behind the scenes. Like you were saying, they sure use the word enchant an awful lot in this episode for her not to be the enchantress. I know it was like a, like a big like hammer over the head. Just you use enchantment, you use enchantment, you use enchant. Okay, yeah, we get it. She's enchanting people, and it's kind of the enchantress power set based on the comics like if you've if you've ever followed along with uh with thor and and that character is her her manipulation uh is all about just you know overpowering people's will so to me that was that was kind of the big thing about this episode is they really just were going out of their way to establish sylvie and her character and her power set and I think it's interesting, and I guess I'll, I'll turn this over to the group. Are we saying that she is a Loki variant that is taking on her own identity, or is this a mistake by the TVA and it's been Enchantress all along? Ray, jump back in, rookie. Thank you. I'm, no, I'm an amateur. Remember, don't like, oh, don't right. mix with me. I'm amateur, rookie. Um, for the record, I took notes. That's I how nervous I was about the show. Um, so, to answer both questions, first and foremost, I think Sylvie is, as the MCU is one to do, a mixture of Lady Loki and Enchantress. 
I don't think she's one or the other. I think she's a perfect mix. To give reasons and answer your second point, she says herself, don't call me Loki. That was a long time ago. I've created a new identity. So, yes, she is a Loki variant who has, I guess, been around longer than this Loki, which is crazy because this Loki has been around for like five, ten thousand years on his own right, but has chosen to leave that behind and create a new identity, which is probably where the Enchantress part comes. Also, she said she taught herself how to enchant people, which I think is important because the Enchantress was always, always just had the power set. She taught herself. So I think. That's those are kind of the two mixtures of the two. Yeah, I can uh, I can get behind Ray's theory on this one that she's not. It, it's uh, C, I guess. Pat <laughs> would be the option I'm looking for. Is C that she exhibits all the signs of Enchantress? She has the Enchantress's power set. It's clear that she she is the Enchantress. I don't think there's too much disputing that. Now, whether she's also a female variant of Loki or. Um, another goddess of Asgard, who knows? But I would say right now it looks like... I love, it, the, way you, I love the way you say Asgard, by the way. <laughs> Asgard, like really? Yeah, Asgard. How do you pronounce it? Asgard? Asgard? Asgard, Asgard. I'm a, little, I'm a little less accentuating on, on the, the ass, ass part. Okay, that's that's fair. It's kind of like battling this. I just don't go there. <laughs> but I... I would say that she's probably a mix of the two. And, and, and I think, I think raise on to something there that you're going to get something along those lines, but yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Cause you know, this, this show, I haven't really decided yet whether this is a straight up lead into, yeah, she doesn't look that good, Ray, but I'm just saying nice picture. Uh, she, this show is like, to me, it's like, are we leading into uh, multiverse of madness or into the next Thor movie, which is what is it? Love and rockets. Or Love and Thunder. Love and Thunder. Love and Thunder. Thunder. Um, Love and Rockets is a record, I'm pretty sure. But this seems to be leading more into a Thor sequel and less into Multiverse of Madness now that you've got Enchantress introduced, perhaps. But I I, I, I like Ray's theory that she's a mix. Because, yeah, the MCU loves to do that. They love to take elements of the comics and, and take elements of other things that you haven't thought of and say, here you go. You know, like. Thanos never flying around in a helicopter, Pat. You know, they, they never did that. So you had to bring that up, huh? See, now, now, now I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta pull back the curtain a little bit because Patrick knows this because I've talked, talked to him about it. We all re listen to podcasts differently. I can't listen. I like listening to bandwagon nerds and see how we do. I can't listen to a podcast while I'm working. Cause I only retain parts of it. So I'll only listen to bandwagon nerds. Like when I'm driving around or something, which was great. Before the pandemic, because I would go to Fresno once a week and get through the episode. Now, I'm literally at episode 53, the Star Wars showdown, which is which is really good, by the way, guys. <laughs> it's really good, by the way. And I wasn't even talking about the most powerful character in the Star Wars universe at that point. Like we weren't we weren't even there. Yet. No, but you were of the opinion that Rise of Skywalker is trash. So drink. You know. Still's trash. Yeah. It's never stopped being trash. But we're not here to talk about Rise of Skywalker it's interesting this episode was interesting to me because it it didn't feel like a lot really happened am i wrong on that like they you know they're on this apocalyptic world they're 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 sort of establishing sylvie's character 
which they need to do. There's no there's no real appearance by the TVA, just a very brief glimpse when they when they pass through like one gate. They spend most of their time on this planet that is doomed. And you know, we, we get left off with them being stuck. I'm assuming Owen Wilson and company is gonna somehow come in next episode to kind of get them out of this. But I guess I was it was weird because it just felt kind of slow to me. And I don't know if there were other what I mean, Ray, you said you took notes. Yes. What, what did you pull out of this episode? Because, you know, I think a lot of people and we'll, we'll talk about kind of the the piece of this episode that's making news. But for me, it wasn't a really gangbuster episode. It was kind of a running in place episode other than outside of building Sylvie. So let's think about it in context. If we look at Falcon and the Winter Soldier, that word was already established for us. They just added to it. Sure. If you look at WandaVision, that word was already established for us. They just added to it. Now, they, now the her losing her mind and creating that stuff was a whole different package, but we knew, ultimately, she had the power to do stuff like that. Everything about this Loki show is brand new. We've never seen the TVA. We've never seen half of the characters on the show. We never knew what a variant was. We never knew any of this stuff. So there's going to be points on in this six-episode miniseries where there's going to have to be 100% world-building. So uh, much like the first episode I heard you talk about... By the way, you guys have been excellent the past few weeks. So some people thought it would be the split. It's the truth. Some people thought it was fantastic. Some people thought it was terrible because they had to build a whole world in 45 minutes. So this one was explaining the difference between Loki and Sylvie, explaining who Sylvie was, which is integral to the to the rest of the show, clearly explaining that. And I don't know if I'm getting to this before you wanted to, but that everybody in the TVA were actually variants, which is a huge no, revelation. Yeah, that's yes. a huge revelation. So there, and then the thing you guys didn't talk about last week was there is something to the fact that there's so many damn apocalypses in the net, in the oncoming 50, 60 years. I don't, I don't think that's a misnomer. I think there's something to that that may explore itself further on in the further down the line in phase four or phase five. But so all of this stuff, much like in some of the other series, you had to, we had to get this so that when this episode happens and that episode happens and that episode happens. We understand what's happening. Because like you said, I'm fully explaining the TVA. I'm fully expecting the TVA and um, Mobius and Gugu and about the Ross character. I don't remember who she is, the judge, to come guns a-blazing to save them and then something happens. We uh, still got to meet the townspeople. I don't think save is the right word there, but yeah. Well, I mean, it's either die or not die. So... <laughs> You know, not dies closer to saving anything else, but uh, no, I feel like this episode was definitely lower on the scale of, of intrigue. Like there wasn't a lot of things to pop you, right? But it's also a cool visual to see a moon crash into a into a planet. Like we haven't seen that before. So, I mean, Thanos <laughs> Thanos destroyed the moon and then like hit people with it. That's different. Sorry, go ahead, Tony. 
couple of things. Dave, one, I think just to make sure you, you know, to get that straight in your head, it's actually the tagline from Frank and Hooker three love and rockets. So that's where that comes from. Um, I think one of the most important things we learned is that not everybody was the people at the TVA weren't created by the TVA. They're all variants as well. Right. So that could play a big part into what's going to be happening with all of them moving forward. I think the whole thing was just building that relationship between Sylvie and Loki, right? That's what this one was about. Now, how do we know that? What was the time portal thing device called that he had that they needed to, to charge? The, temp- the temporal pad, the temp pad. Okay. How do we know that that was actually the temp pad that he brought out and showed at Chatter? Like, he could easily has the magic to show her that was that, and now it's about to come, and last second he's like, oh, time to go. Boop. And he just used all that time to get as much out of her as he could. I mean, yeah, that's definitely a possibility. With Loki being a trickster, uh, I, you just know that the first five minutes of the next episode is going to be getting them off of that planet. Right. <laughs> I'm just saying, what a better way, though, for him to actually get information he's trying to get than someone to believe that, well, it doesn't really matter. I can tell you everything now right. because odds are not in our favor. And and conventional wisdom would tell you that nobody would do that, but then Loki has shown you he's crazy enough to do that shit. Right. So let's get to this other reveal that you both you and Ray have talked about, Tony, and I'm sure Dave's got some thoughts on it too, because we learn that yes, the people running the TVA are not themselves created by these timekeepers, as we've been led to believe but that they are variants that seem to have had their memories wiped entirely and are now serving a function. And we learn this because Sylvie talks about the woman that she's been manipulating to try and get to the authorities. What it immediately did for me, and then I'll I'll hand over to Dave to kick off the rest of this discussion, is that it immediately puts into question the power of the powers that be. Right. How how powerful are they really? What are these variants? Is this some sort of an illusion all within its own right that we that we are not paying attention to to where they're not really all they say they are? Because you know, the power of creation is a is a is a huge thing. To pluck people out of time and wipe their memories and call them variants. That's a little more manipulation and a lot less, you know, omniscience and all powerful. Dave, your thoughts. Well, it raises a question to me as to why some variants get put in a place of authority and then others are just reset, you know, that just get disintegrated right on the spot. So, like, what's the protocol for that? Uh, you know, yeah, who are these timekeepers? You know, who are, are, are they really godlike creatures or are they just things fucking with things you know which which is a as good an option as anything right now um i've heard some interesting theories and some interesting thoughts around the nerdosphere as far as the tva uh one that oh, kind of, let me guess let me let me guess mephisto no no actually no um i've heard that a theory that the uh tva is located in the quantum realm which mm-hmm. is an interesting thought could be uh i yeah it's 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 hard to figure out you know when they divulge that as to, okay, what exactly is going on here? And it's clear that Sylvie, or whoever she was, wants to overthrow the timekeepers, just like Loki does, and knows where they are, 
knows where the elevator is, extracted that information using her enchantress powers, which was very, that opening scene felt like the Matrix to me, where Cypher's in there talking about the stake and that sort of thing, and that felt very Matrix-like. Um, it's it's really hard to tell exactly what is going on with the TVA as to what really they are entity-wise, as to, are, are, are I mean, yeah, I mean, whether it's the quantum realm or not, you got to stop and think and say, well, where is the TVA located? I mean, are they in another dimension? Are they out in the cosmic realm? Are they hanging out with the scrolls? Maybe they could all be scrolls, Ray. They could all be scrolls. Oh God. You'll be looking yeah. for scrolls everywhere. Ray, I'm with you by the way, that people are going to be just looking for scrolls every step of the way, every turn, kind of like looking for, you know, a dragon where there isn't one. But um, I mean, it's, it was literally head, a dragon. Right? It may not be the same more dragon, but it later. literally was a dragon. More on that later. More on that later. <laughs> but I will say, I think I think Tony was right that a lot of this episode was establishing the relationship between Loki and the Enchantress or Sylvia or whatever yeah, you want to call it. But he I may and he that. may he may also be right that Loki's just gaming her or they're gaming each other because there is. It's hard to tell watching that episode as to what are sincere moments. And what isn't. And that's one of the brilliant parts about this episode is you're never sure what's bullshit and what's heartfelt. And I love that about this episode that you just don't get, you know, they are playing each other in every way possible and trying to do that to get the maximum advantage over the other. And it's great because you just don't know what's real and what's not. And I think that's the unique thing about this show that differentiates it from WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier. Well, Falcon and Winter Soldier for sure. WandaVision was kind of like, what the fuck is real and what's not. Um, but so, I, I do love the relationship between those two that was developed here. Right. And I think one division and Loki here are kind of in one sort of realm of comic sure. book verse and, you know, Falcon and the winter soldier, Captain America and the winter soldier is a completely different piece of like that grounded in reality street yeah. level stuff that we always talk was about. It, it was on this show that we talked about like before the pandemic, when we looked at the, the slate of movies that were coming out, they seem to be alternating between cosmic street level, cosmic street level. Yeah. And they're I mimicking that here. That's very, I think that's a very apropos way to look at that. Um, right. So outside of, outside of that, other uh, i guess for me i didn't really take a lot away from this outside of what we've already hit on were there other sort of revelations other things that that stood out to y'all before i go to the one piece of news that i do want to talk about that came out in the wake of this episode uh if, if i may can i read some of the notes i wrote sure it's um, like you know, so, honorable such, such a such a rookie move I, hey am i am i a rookie or amateur man get, make your minds up okay yeah he's an amateur your boy misses a show a, for like two or three weeks a, and I get demoted. Wait, wait, wait. You're Are a, you rook, getting, you're a rook, wait, witcher. To tack on the NCAA conversation, if you're being paid, then you're a rookie. If you're not, you're an amateur. Well, I do definitely get paid, so <laughs> I think we don't answer to that. Uh, no, um, so a couple of things is it's interesting. They go deeper into explaining what enchanting, what takes enchanting because she tries to enchant Loki, but she can't. thought that was interesting to note. Also, another thing is it's interesting that Sylvie says that the TVA has been chasing her her whole life. Now, I don't know if that was a euphemism or literal, but that's, I think, something else that will play further down. Um, did the arc not give you Snowpiercer vibes? Uh, yeah. 
Well, yeah, because, I mean, like the the, upper, the the poor people weren't even on the Snowpiercer. They just weren't allowed at all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, I love the, lo- the love is a dagger quote. I feel like that's going to be this um, this uh, series grief and Theseus quote that people are going to remember. Um, and Loki admits he's bisexual. I thought that was interesting to note. Well, and that segues nicely into the big conversation that then suddenly, um, I guess to me was, maybe it's because I've read the comics and have followed Loki as a character for so long. I mean, Loki is so much more than bisexual, by the way. I mean, Loki is, fluid, yeah. Loki, Loki is the definition of gender fluid and uh, just everything that they do. But the director of the episode did an interview and was very proud and put out a tweet and kind of shared with that. And it was interesting to see the reaction by fans that either no sold it because of the gender fluid piece that that we just talked about there with Loki as a character versus Loki in the context of the show and the MCU. Um, Because in the MCU, even with this variant, Loki hasn't been shown to be gender fluid the way that Loki has in the comics. Like the Loki we know, Tom Hiddleston's Loki, has not transitioned to any other gender other than Loki as we've seen them. So for, for Loki to, to say, you know, I'm bisexual, which is also a very important population that law that is interestingly maligned within its own community uh it's fascinating uh, to see it be both supported and on some level rejected um by its by by, by its own group kind of a, a member of all countries but also of none that um that even with the director talking about this and being very personal about being able to share their experience through this character that there was still some folks who were like no nah, we're not we're not buying what you're selling there uh and so just i found it interesting you know i don't even know that i have some big statement to make about it other than to say it it was interesting i thought it was great for the character of loki i think that marvel and the mcu still is struggling mightily with representation for the lbgtq community period like they just are like they can't seem to do it very well. They they've been very clumsy about it, and and so I think that that's the other part is that people have their sort of their guards up. I don't think Anthony Mackie helped anything um, in his interview, well intentioned though it may have been. Uh, for those of you who don't remember, Anthony Mackie was talking about so many people looking for more out of the relationship between Bucky and Sam, and Anthony Mackie being like. No, why do people keep looking for this stuff? It was just a platonic relationship between two men. Um, and that's all that it, all that it was. But it was the way that he presented the argument. Um, I don't have his quotes, but it was, it was very clumsy and inarticulate. Ray, you look like you're ready to, to reply. I do. I have a few things. First and foremost, that whole, that whole Bucky situation and Bucky possibly being bisexual or being in love with Steve is almost as asinine as... The Mephisto talk in Falcon and Winter Soldier, and then in a Wonder Vision, because there is no that's never been listed. The only thing that's ever happened is one time uh, I think Bucky said he loved Steve or something like that. 
But like, so that's something that we as fans are begging for. That's not canon. And so, which is why this Loki thing is interesting to me because it goes to show this, the difference between people who know the source material and who don't. Because people, to the people who don't, which is I'm sure 90% of the people watching this, maybe 80, they're thinking, oh, there goes Marvel just trying to put some in there again to, to you know, cater to these groups. And it's not. That's the character. Um, to the point of Marvel not doing well in, in the past with LGBTQ characters, you're right, because I can't think of any outside of Valkyrie and, if you watch the Runaway show, Carolina Dean, Nico Minoru, and Zavin the Squirrel. They were... But yeah, they were. Even, like run the runaway show isn't quote unquote MCU, MCU. right? And but Fastos is gonna be in um right. um in the in the uh, Eternals, um yeah. So there's there's a lot coming, right? Well, and even and even Valkyrie isn't explicitly explained. Like you have to infer from Thor Ragnarok, it's not going to be explicit until Thor Love and Thunder based on everything we've heard from Taika. So it's just, it is, it is an area and Marvel with inclusion in general for, for phase one and part of two, not good at all. Yeah. Go back and look at it. Like non-existent. It's just now becoming something that they're they're taking part in and embracing and trying to celebrate. And so I think I get I will admit my own biases toward the product gives it a little bit more of a pass um, than maybe I would if it was a different franchise. If that makes any sense, like I'm more willing to give them time to figure it out than I might be in a different arena. Sure, but you also have to think and. I know fans of any entity hate when you have the business talk, but that's the most important talk of the situation. You you couldn't have led with... Black Panther couldn't have been the first movie that they came out with. Nobody would have watched it. And that's not saying it's good. It's just they had to build to a point where they had the equity, if you will, to do these things and take these chances. And it's crazy to think that Black Panther is taking a chance. Shang-Chi is taking a chance. But it is. Because these aren't movies that are just domestic. They're a global movie. They're spending five, six hundred million dollars on these movies. They got to get a return on their investment. So I think while from a personal standpoint, yeah, it sucks. It was a very smart business plan to use the IPs we know that work, to build around people we know that's going to build, and then get to a point where we can do this and nobody can say shit to us now because we are the top branching studio in the world. And like, so you can't say anything about them now. They can literally do what they want. They made Guardians of the Galaxy, and nobody had heard of them because they could. Right. Can I so, can I state I, something here? Oh dear, I don't know. Are you going to be an old man on the porch? He says, "Get off my lawn." Yes. And, and Absolutely, I am. <laughs> no, I, you guys know the me. David Ongar do not reflect the opinions of bandwagon nerds. Go for it. You guys know me well enough to know I'm I'm not one of these people who, who's going to sit there and, and say a bunch of stupid shit about a lot of this stuff. But here's my thing is, is I don't think you can. Part of the problem is if they're when you try to retcon the storyline and the story arcs to kind of funnel inclusion into some of these stories, that's that's part of the problem, I think, is just like they're you've got. 
so many characters that have such a rich history. Loki's different because, like you guys are saying, he's very gender fluid and there's that sort of thing going on. But yeah, I mean, there was never anything, correct me if I'm wrong, anything in the comics about Bucky and Steve having any sort of romantic relationship, anything in the comics about Bucky and Sam having anything but a contentious relationship for most of the time. So I I don't, I don't understand the backlash as to just like, look, let it go. Let them stick to the story. They will bring inclusion in naturally. And, and I mean, like we, you know, you guys talk about characters. Shatterstar was only in death Deadpool two for a matter of moments before he got killed. So, Okay, they didn't develop that, but that's that's my issue with this is like you can't just retcon long-standing so, story arcs to to bring this here, stuff forward. Go ahead, Pat. Here's my push, here's my pushback on that statement. What and and I am have no problem with the story they have told. What would it have done or quote unquote hurt if they had pursued that sort of story arc of Sam and Bucky say being in a relationship other than a platonic relationship between two guys, other than what you know from reading the comics. So other than being the comic book guy who's mad about it, not being it. So I'll I'll ask this question. What did it hurt to have a black Kingpin in, in daredevil? Nothing. Yeah. People bitched about Ving Rhames. So I, I do wonder. One well, big Rams. It was Michael Clark Duncan, but good. Or Michael going. Clark Duncan. You know, yeah. Um, but but my question is, and again, I'm fine with the ship as it is. What would it have hurt or helped? What like what would it, what harm would have been done other than that's not what we read in the comics? And so as you like the the word retcon is just very interesting to me, Dave, because it's. Like we've we've talked about how many things are different in the MCU that aren't true to comics. Yeah, but here's the thing, and and would it have hurt anything necessarily? Debatable, but I, you've got to be careful that you don't alienate your core audience, which are largely the comics readers, who you don't want to send them running and saying this is not you know what I remember. You don't think that. I, I do you, if you think that the only people watching Marvel Cinematic no, no, Universe, no, no. I didn't say that. I said, but that's but that's what this show is. This show is MCU. It is right. I, I would I would I haven't looked at demographics. I don't know if we've ever really dug deep into the demographics of who's watching this. Whether they are Tony's mom, mom is not uh, the hardcore audience. I'll you know I'll do respect to Mrs. Uh, Pizza Funny. I, that's uh that she's not the hardcore I audience. Has, I hear she has long boxes in the garage of Spider-Man all the way back to Amazing Fantasy. Sweet. Patrick, your mother's a, your mother's an astronaut. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. And she wears combat boots. <laughs> I, let, let's so so I want to kick it to Tunny. Tunny's kind of the semi bandwagoner here and and we all three of us have got really strong feelings about what when when I think of Cap and Winter Soldier or Cap and Sam, there's a, something in my head that I've got there that, yeah, would it be the end of the world if they were a, a different kind of relationship? No. But in my head, it's like I look at him a certain way. But, Tony, how do you feel about, you know, this sort of issue? I think a lot of it is, for me personally, like, I don't, it doesn't matter to me, right? So if that's, 
something that's part of the story, then that I take it as part of the story, right? If it, if I don't see that as part of the story, I try not to read into it, right? It's so long as it's a good. It's kind story. of like, right? I mean, to me, like that stuff doesn't really matter that much to me. It kind of like Carl Carl Nassib came out for being going to be the first uh, professionally gay football player open and playing in the NFL, right? And the message, big takeaway I gave were two things. One, the Trevor Project, which he donated to, which is spectacular. They do a great job, such a great lifeline for people in need. And two, he said, hopefully someday that when the next person that does this or the person that does this two, three years down the line, this this doesn't this video doesn't even make Sports Center. It's not really news. Like we don't need a video. Right. Like I just I, I take it all in as the same to me. Like, well, if I have uh, a superhero who's who's gay, then that's that's a gay superhero. If I have a superhero who isn't, okay. If there are things there that I can read into, then I'll read into. It could make the storyline better, right? But I don't. I not necessarily ever read into that. Not that it wouldn't make it for a more interesting storyline as well. So that's just kind of where I'm at. It's not a big deal to me personally. Can can I jump in real quick? Final word, Ray. So there is, and I've spoke about this on the show many times. There is a fundamental difference between a character who something about their sexuality or their race is integral to their character and a person. Right. Can I just can I just stop you before you get going real quick? Because the last thing I want to say is the people that maybe didn't really is like I, I don't it's not a big deal to me whether or not the storyline goes that way or the other. I do agree it is a big deal to have representation, though. So I just yeah. don't want people to take the wrong uh, takeaway from what I said. So sorry to interrupt you, Ray. Keep continue. I just needed to add that on at the end. No. Yeah, sure. And I'm, I'm glad you said that because somebody will be like, oh, you didn't say that. No, that's what you know what you meant. Um, but what I mean is. You can't have a white man from Iowa be Black Panther, right? Consequently, you, I'm just keeping it a buck. Consequently, know, you can have a, just... consequently, you can't have a black dude from L.A. be Steve Rogers. His race is integral to who he is as a person. Now, there are characters who that stuff doesn't matter, which is why when they did uh, Michael B. Jordan as Johnny Storm, him being white was never a part of the character. It's him being a hothead. To get to the whole Buck, Bucky, and, Bucky and Sam or Bucky and Captain America, Steve Rogers thing, and ingratiating, retconning people and, and either gender swapping them or changing their, um, changing their uh, if they become they're, they're LGBTQ or straight, whatever it is. The no, only thing, their identity, thank you. I, I was trying to think of the word, thank you. The only thing that comes to my mind is this. The reason why I'd be against it for... Bucky and for not so much but Bucky, but for for Captain America or Sam Sam Wilson is because they have a history of major important relationships with other women that are integral to the to Marvel. Now, if we want to change that, that's cool, but that fundamentally changes everything about the structure of the MCU because everything from the MCU is coming from a source material. Now, people play with it, but ultimately, it comes from this point and this, this, and this, and this. So if you want to change that, you fundamentally change where you can go with stories that have been integral to the stories. The entire story of, of, of Steve Rogers and Peggy Carter was his entire arc. So if you make him gay, which is great, I wouldn't have a problem with that in a vacuum. That changes everything, right? That changes everything about who that character was. Bucky does not have that history. 
Bucky ain't never been with nobody in the in the comics, male, male or female. So if Bucky was gay or bisexual, it wouldn't hurt anything. But to put him in this random relationship with a guy who's had a decades-long relationship with Peggy Carter, had a decades-long long relationship with his, with her niece Sharon Carter, Sam Wilson's been with Misty Knight, Sam Wilson's been with all these other people, that changes fundamentally the stories you're telling and the source material and the stories you could possibly tell in the future. So if you're gonna do it, do it with people don't that don't have those that history, so that you can tell the stories you want to tell without changing the fundamental point of the story. So my pushback on that is one: I never really saw it about Steve and Bucky, like out of the MCU chatter, and I'm sure there was some of it there. I saw a lot of it with Sam and Bucky, and to your point with Sam, who has Sam been around in the MCU? Who's no. he been with? No, no, but Nobody. I mean, other than Nobody. Oh, no, in the MCU? No, no. That's my point. So you have two characters that have really had no sort of romantic relationship of any sort. I just don't see that it would have been particularly problematic. I'm not one of those people who was advocating for it. I wasn't disappointed that it didn't happen. I totally love that it was it was a completely like bromance sort of you know, two guys who just because that's another thing that we don't talk a lot about in film is portraying healthy relationships with two men. Yeah, that is is a health like Tony knows that I love this show and I know Tony hates it. But one of my favorite parts about the TV show Scrubs, Scrubs is that fucking it, knew it. Unbelievable. We're sure. talking about bro ships. And it's using a great Scrubs. point, though. But, it's yeah, a great it's point. A, but the I, thing I, I, is that. Here. That the Zach Braff, Donald Faison, JD, and Turk relationship is a healthy, loving, platonic relationship between two straight guys. And that that's okay. And that they express it so well. And another show that I talk a lot about, and I just talked about before we went on the show because I'm rewatching it, Ted Lasso. Ted and I'm going to – I can't remember the name of his, his assistant coach. But it's the same sort of thing. They're they're best friends. They're the best of friends, and that's and, and they love each other. And it's clear that they love and care for each other. And you don't see that on film very often. You see it played for laughs. You see like Tango and Cash, and like it's you know like a testosterone laden, slapsticky, making fun of you sort of way that 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 you don't see. So I actually. You know, I do also want those sorts of relationships shown as well. I just don't know that in this particular case with these particular characters, it, it wouldn't have been a big deal either way to me, other than it would and be the, completely counter to what you've read in Marvel Comics. And the Bucky and Sam was earned. That friendship was earned. We watched them fight forever Absolutely. to get yeah. to the point when they trusted each other. So it was earned. Exactly. Okay, well, we're not going to solve all of our gender identity and relationship uh, uh, problems in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in this one episode here. What we are going to do is we're going to take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we will venture over to the trailer park. We got five trailers to cover today, guys, so a lot in front of us. Uh, You're going to get all of that back on the back end. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, part of thechairshot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. 
Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Go to powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot, get your free month. Again, that's powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. All right, Dave, cue up the banjo. It's time to head to the trailer park. Yeehaw! All right. Uh, gentlemen. Did we get the yeehaw in there? I mean, that, that was that was Tony this time. That wasn't me. I sure hope he did. It was it was a solid yeehaw. So as I was building as I was building the, the greatest rundown in the history of podcasts, uh I've been told I make the best rundowns in the business. Just oh, in saying. general, I thought you meant this particular rundown. I was going to be like, I don't know about this one, but it's a strong <laughs> part of my Saturday night routine, sir. Is is going through? I mean, how is it that this rundown is the best rundown, and that every new rundown is the best rundown in the history of bandwagon nerds? Anyway, I was sitting there. I was like, man, I don't know if I got a lot of trailers, and then suddenly I had five. Well, I had four. And then a fifth one came up and I, I sprung this last one on you literally last minute. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to share how I, I came to find this trailer. I turned on Netflix and front and center on Netflix was an advertisement for this show called this is pop. And it's all about pop music and it sucked me in right away. And I don't know if it's because lately in the bandwagon chat, we've been talking about music and our music tastes and what makes music great. But I watched this trailer and it's such a, I, I actually brought up the episode list because it's such an eclectic list of episodes talking about popular music and what makes pop and the first episode title got me excited you know what it's called the boys to men effect and and just to be clear i i love boys to men so much i went and saw them on the state fair circuit a few years back and was right there with all these screaming women who were calling their mothers because boys <laughs> told us to to tell our moms that we love them before they busted. I watched grown ass 40 something year old women running up to a stage, hoping to get a rose from one of the boys. Cause they have a whole thing of roses and they're handing them out during I'll make love to you. Like just great, great stuff. And to see an episode dedicated to them and their influence on boy bands was just, I haven't even watched the episode yet, but it was, it was terrific. I was, I was so excited. And I'm sitting there looking at these, 
you know, I'm looking at these different episode titles, and I think this is a really great story. I think this is a really great series. It's eight episodes, uh, and I can't wait to binge watch it. The only thing that kept me from starting it is that I started watching a different music uh, uh, documentary series that we'll talk about at the end of the show. So, gentlemen, did you have a chance to take a look at this? What would you think? Ray, we'll start with you. And then we'll go Tony. Um, Sorry. It, it is on my list, and it's something I plan to get to this week. It looks fantastic. To your boys' men point, the only thing I need, because that's all eight episodes sound fantastic. The Swedish episode about ABBA and all the stuff coming from there. Like, it's so good. Um, but they better mention New Edition, because I, I get really sick and tired of everybody saying that bo- that boy band started with boys' men. There is no boys' men without New Edition. They auditioned for um, Michael Bivens outside of their bus. So, like, give New Edition some credit. Secondly, I don't think the majority of people would not care about this show as much as they do now or it be in the populace if it wasn't for that T-Pain story. That T-Pain story is crazy as hell. And for right. those of you who don't know, you remember T-Pain for being the king of autotune, right? He kind of mastered the vocoder in his time. He tells a story, and this is on the commercial, so I'm not giving anything away. But he tells a story where he's on a plane and he's in first class. And the lady comes to him and says, hey, Usher wants to talk to you. Uh, T-Pain and Usher are friends. They'd have been on songs before. Brings Usher, he comes to the back, and Usher says to him, and this is a direct quote, hey, man, uh, you kind of fucked up music with that auto-tune. He's like, what? It's like, you know, it doesn't mean anything, but you, you kind of kind of ruined music. And he sat there to himself, and he was like, did I really fuck up music? And he was in a depression for like three years. So if you wonder why you didn't see T-Pain for a long time, part of it is because of Usher saying he fucked up music. If that don't get you interested in the show, nothing else will. So somewhere well, Peter, let me finish Peter that. Frampton's looking at him like, no, nah, I fucked it up way before you did, baby. <laughs> let me uh, let me finish that story for you, Ray, because T-Pain came back and won the first ever season of Masked Singer. And they couldn't actually With believe real voice. that it yes. was his real voice. Uh, yep. Yeah, this looks awesome. I don't think it matters how old you are, to be honest with you. If you have any appreciation of any type of popular music, regardless of how old you are from, you know, 15 to 75, you're going to appreciate the way that they're telling the story. It just looks really nice. Um, I don't know, Dave, if you've checked it out. I, last thing I want to say is free Britney. Free Britney. Oh, Please. Damn it, Tony. <laughs> For real. Yeah. Fuck that conservatorship, man. She could take care of herself. Maybe. Send her Possibly. over to my house. Yeah, okay, there you go. <laughs> Oops. Oops, uh, I did it again. I I watched the trailer. I thought it was uh I thought it's very interesting. There's a, a a eclectic topic that they're co- you know talking about. I mean, pop music. When you say pop music, that's such a broad category that there's no telling what can be in there, you know. I I mean, we're not going to get, you know, the Metallica backstory or anything like that, and that's fine, but it does look the ABBA thing, yeah, definitely sounds like a, a fun one. The boys to men thing sounds fun. The T Pain thing, um, I, I don't know what else they they showed on there. There's several others that look like they could all be. Oh, Neil Sedaka, isn't he on there too, Pat? Yep. Um, yeah, he's the. Uh, he, he, what did he say about the fifties? He said he's something of the fifties. He was the Justin, Justin Bieber, Bieber yes, of the fifties. Which I love. I love that quote, and I'm like, fifties. You were around in the seventies. My mom loved Neil Sedaka, so 
uh, it it looks very very good. And like our love for music, we all have a love for music, um, various There's, genres. So I'm right. I'm in. There's a whole episode on country pop when when country went pop and, and Shania Twain. My mom, that's Shania Twain turned my mom country, and I'll never forgive Shania for that. But um, my mom too is a little yeah. I'm just they have an yeah, episode when country went pop. I, I was just I literally was just talking about that. My bad. Keep drinking, Tony. Keep, keep drinking, like, buddy. I guess everybody, PC Tunny. So much shit going on here. PC Tunny, everyone. Um, Yeah, it's hashtag Greg's fault. That's always an easy thing to do. Um, Greg. Right. So yeah, I'm I'm very very excited for this. I'm looking forward to getting it started once I finish some other stuff in the list. The next film on our visit through the trailer part are. it's not going to be up. Not we're we're leaving Tony's wheelhouse because we're going to a new trailer for the Candyman film, the Candyman reboot, if you will, directed by Nia DaCosta, produced by Jordan Peele, and and this is the first trailer that truly like I'm like okay I'm ready to watch this because I don't know like the vibe I got out of watching this trailer is it is not just about this character. This iconic character brought to life by Tony Todd back in the day. It really is about this journalist's obsession with the legend of Candyman. Like, that's the vibe I got from this. And that that's sort of the allegory that we're going to be working with here as we as we tell the story. Because it looks to me, unless I'm wrong, that this journalist is either being possessed or slowly becoming the Candyman. Dave, I'll let you kick this one off. Well, seeing as how Tony and Ray have zero interest in this movie, uh, it's not in their wheelhouse. But I, I'm very. Ray, you don't want to see Candyman. Let, let Dave finish. Yeah. I'll, I'll jump in when he's finished. <laughs> let, let finish. I, I think uh, the trailer is very good. I, it, it does. It's hard to tell what's going on with this guy, whether he's being possessed or whether he has brought this upon himself by invoking the accursed incantation of saying Candyman five times looking in a mirror or something re- reflective and and Candyman coming in to take him over it, it, it it's interesting to me that the backstory that that's almost like um like remember Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows where they did that animated sort of backstory as to the the three brothers they've got that element going on as they're trying Shadow to explain yeah, yeah they're trying to explain and it almost gets to the point where it's like okay the guy that they killed main was he innocent or was he part of a bigger something going on because they're saying razor blade showing up in candy they the cops come kill him razor blades keep showing up in candy so you get the impression that the candy man may not be just what like they, and then they say it's not just one person it's several things going on so we're obviously going to get an expansion of the candy man lore and that's cool we're going to get tony todd again in some capacity that's great. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, count me in. I mean, we saw there were we didn't put it on the trailer park, but there were two really good horror trailers this past week. So uh, that's, that's uh, I'm, not a big I'm not a big Halloween reboot guy. Sorry. Um, I'm so John Carpenter loyal that I just, yeah, you know, this. Yeah. well, OK, you, do, you know, know, that know it is it is it is a direct sequel to the John Carpenter stuff. 
No, no, I understand. Uh, that's that's all good. Here. Go ahead, Ray. Wow. That was, oh, no, 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 no. I get it. No, 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 no. I get it. It's, it's fine. Okay. Ray, oh. your thoughts. So, look. Let me say this. Yes, sir. I am a horror aficionado. I've been watching scary movies since I was little. The first time I watched The Exorcist, I was six years old. We've heard this story before. That explains a lot, Ray. That really does. Don't do shit for me. Right? (laughs) Exorcist, don't scare me. The the Conjuring and um, Amityville Horror, eh, all that stuff. Fucking Candyman? Nah, bro. That is the (laughs) scariest shit in my... Look, if you're from the hood or you are raised about the generation of me and Tunny, you are terrified of the fucking Candyman. Because, like, I don't know what it is. And, you know, what, what, what I love about Candyman is, and it, 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 the lore of it has grown to be much bigger than just the, my community. But for the longest time, it was like black people's Bloody Mary. You know what I'm saying? It's unapologetically a black series of movies. Sure, but I'm just saying so many people well, have gotten so big. This trailer even pokes fun of that, saying black people should never summon anything. So Never? Why? Why would we do such a thing? Yeah, no, it's it, and for the record, I hadn't I hadn't seen the trailer on purpose. This one, I saw the first one; it wasn't that bad. You I didn't see this one on purpose. I avoided it and I watched that shit right before the show. And yeah, I'm not gonna sleep tonight. Thank you, thank you, you for that. Sleep, I got the sweats. Got the sweats. Yeah, yeah, just a little bit. I don't know if you noticed when the show started, I was sweating. Yeah, so thank you for that. Tony, I'm assuming you uh you are not gonna go see this at the theater. I yeah, I really have zero interest. I mean, it's probably, kind of probably, like a, probably like not going to see Basically, a Beetlejuice ripoff, you know. Oh no, you did not. And we move oh, on. You are so in trouble over that one. I'm gonna save that. We're gonna save that nugget. Can, Dave, can you clip that statement? Like, how can we? How can we how can we do this better? Well, let's make it scarier and not funny, and we'll have people say it five times instead of three. We're, we're gonna save that little Beetlejuice nugget, and the next time Christopher it's Platt like is a on fucking, the show, it's like Kingpin, it's like the Amish Bowler. We do everything one and a half times. God, that might become the new oh. I butt chug saltwater all the time. Clip Jeez. there, Tony. I am. That is. Shots fired. We're just going to move on to a to a movie that the Little O'Dowd is very, very excited about. I'm a little more ambivalent toward, but it is the, the trailer dropped for the new G.I. Joe-themed um, movie, Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins. Now, I love ninjas. Everybody here knows my feelings towards G.I. Joe. It was 1A and 1B along with the Transformers in my top Saturday morning cartoons of all times. Here's my concern. Snake Eyes talks. Snake Eyes don't talk. I'll give you another well, reason good. to be concerned, though. It's got origins. Can I, origins. It's got uh, origins origin. in the title. We saw what happened the last time a movie origins. put origins in the title. That's fair. Okay, if you could gonna, it be fair, he's, he could it be that he's not Snake Eyes until he puts the helmet on. Well, so he took a vow of silence. But the thing that is, I th- here's a, here's Why? my thing. Why, Patrick? Why did he take a vow of silence? That's part of the mystery of the character. 
Oh, like, then maybe that's where we're going to find out when we go back to the origins. Well, it depends, because if you look at the G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra you movie, you took a vow of silence. You have, selective, hearing, you have like selective closed-mindedness. No, I don't have selective closed-mindedness. Sure, it's you do. Story. It's going to tell his story, and yeah, he's going to talk a lot. Um, but I don't know, man. I, I, don't, I don't know how I feel. I'm going to see it, because my kid wants to see it, and it's got Scarlet, and G.I. Joe is definitely a thing in this movie cobra is definitely a thing in this movie as they try to reboot this hasbro franchise um i i'm coming out on what is this coming out on i think it's in august in theaters okay late july I, oh i was hoping it was on streaming or something it'd be patrick and the little o'dowd sitting down to watch this and he keeps walking August. out of the room. He keeps walking out of the room. Finally, the third time he walks out into the kitchen, Mrs. O'Dowd's like, what's wrong? Fucking Snake Eyes keeps talking. I can't handle it. <laughs> snake Eyes don't talk, man. He just doesn't talk. It's just, it's, it's, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. The I will say this. They got the look down, like, with the, with the visor and that whole thing. I don't know. It is a Paramount movie. Maybe it'll show up on Paramount Plus. Um, hey man, because sure. Invincible was on. Is that what's called Invincible? The Mark Wahlberg movie yeah. that just came out. Yeah, we talked about that one a little while ago. It actually comes out July twenty third. So premieres July twenty third. Oh no! Paramount got to deal with forty five days afterwards, so it'll be on there forty five days after. Oh okay, so a little bit of time. I just um, yeah. He he just he does he does talk. It's, it's, it's so it's, it's, I get it. It's like, you know, if Bucky and Steve Rogers had a relationship um, or something like that. Just kidding. Sorry, I couldn't help it. I couldn't resist that. Anybody have any G.I. Joe thoughts on this trailer other than it looks like a lot of ninja fun? I was actually a fan of the, the two before. I was actually I enjoyed both of them. The first one more so the than the second one. one. I yeah, hated the one with the Rock and Bruce Willis that didn't do much for me. Well, I was just bothered by the removal of Duke entirely from the segment. Like, but you know why, right? Yeah, I do. I just, I okay. understand. It's like it's like when they it's like when um you lose Cyclops from X Men in the third X Men movie. Like, he's gone. I'm look, I, I'm with you too. But when you hear the fact that he literally refused to do the movie, and they're like, "Look, you right, got to right. do no, this." No, I get you. Yeah, I, yeah. So. Get it. I just it sucks, he, yeah. Do, like recast him, like. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Like recast him. Channing but I did enjoy wasn't him. that important to me that I needed him to be Duke. I just needed Duke in the in the damn show. But I, in fact, again, a little down. We watched uh, GI Joe: Rise of Cobra last week. It was on TV, right? It was on like TBS or something. No, I, I own it. Oh, okay. Well. Don't, oh, jeez, God, Ray, whatever. Don't. I know what's wrong with me, right? See, it's dude. He owns. What's I, have, I haven't been off for three weeks. I'm, I'm just tripping. Fucking rookies, nah. man. Fucking rookies. Right, now, now you know, Ray. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. All right, let's get to the comic book movies, shall we? We'll start. Which one do you, do you want to do, Marvel or DC first? Do you, do you want to? Which one do you want to do? Tony is thumbs up. Pick one. 
it said Marvel. I flipped a coin. It said Marvel. All okay. right. So we got a new Shang-Chi movie uh, trailer this week with some footage we've already seen, a lot that we hadn't already seen, and some some appearances, some surprising appearances that is I I I I'm sorry I wasn't expecting to see the abomination and Wong in, in an arena battling each other at the end of a trailer. That was kind of cool. Uh it does also kind of back up that Tim Roth is coming back as the abomination for the She-Hulk series. That's that's been official and announced. So great way to bring him back into the trailer. We also got a lot more of the lore of the Ten Rings um, and Shang-Chi's, you know, role with his family and that there seems to be two sides to a coin that he will be dealing with. Dave, thoughts on the Shang-Chi trailer before Ray and I talk about dragons? <laughs> uh, well, nothing that pretty much everything you said, it, it is, it does illustrate Shang-Chi's, shall we say, difficult relationship with his father. And it certainly looks like there is a father-son battling going on at the at, near the end of the trailer involving the Ten Rings. Uh, I, yeah, I, I mean, Shang-Chi is another one of these movies that that I have high hopes for because it is a, a fringe character in the Marvel Universe. Like you and I were talking uh, yesterday, he really only has appeared in a lot of the Kung Fu comics and didn't really stand out on its own. So I'm curious as to why Kevin Feige and the powers that be at DC and Marvel thought this is a character that needed to be brought to the forefront. I understand all the inclusion stuff we're talking about earlier. Great, fine, fantastic. I really want to see what kind of story that they're telling here. And uh, with that being said, I will defer to you guys on the great dragon debate of 2021. Uh, Tony, Tony's out. So Ray, before the dragon debate, I need to, the most, no, real, I think this is important. The most important thing about this entire trailer to me was we finally saw the 10 rings. I think that was, that was major to me because so the reason why this, the reason why we didn't see the Mandarin in, in the Iron Man movies, the real Mandarin and the reason why it took so long for this to kind of play out. So there's so much problematic. You can't have, Shang-Chi, whose real dad is Fu Manchu. You can't do that, right? Number no, one. no, you certainly can't do that. Secondly, the, if you look at the way the Mandarin looks in the comics, it's very tropish, right? So to see him kind of be a, a, a real legit businessman, and we know historically in all the MCU movies that the Ten Rings is an actual organization, right? Not just not just a like a cult. It's a terrorist organization. They tried to get the serum from um, for the wasps, the wasp or the uh, yellow jacket serum. They did a bunch of things, yeah. but I like the fact that the rings are not physical rings on their fingers. I like that it's how they made it look. I like think arms. that's exactly that's going to be integral to, I think, the character and how the importance of the movie, um, because it this could have gone so bad had they stuck with comic lore and what we talked about earlier about comic lore. They changed it for the better, right? right? So, if you want to get now, we get the dragons. I want to get that out because I thought that was. Like, good. I, I also think it's a good comp to just it's you know modernizing a character that needed modern modernization because you look at a lot of those characters that were introduced in the seventies because Shang Chi was created in the wake of the popularity of Bruce Lee, like yeah. it just was, and so there was a certain sort of look to that character 
that today it is racist as fuck. Um, it's the same thing with Luke Cage. Like Luke Cage, we talked about this a few weeks ago when we were talking during the Hero Project. Luke Cage was part of that black exploitation surge from the seventies, and his character was a black man written by a bunch of white dudes trying to pretend how they thought a, a black man in Harlem would speak. Sweet uh, Christmas, or, right? And so, you know, I think that it's it's a it's an update for for the all the right reasons and yeah I, i'm looking forward to that one okay so when this trailer drops the name fin fang foom starts trending on twitter and if, you know ray when he shares the trailer he's all excited he yells fin fang foom because at one point shang chi is underwater and he comes face to face with a very large dragon now that then immediately led to speculation that it could be Fin Fang Foom. I'm going to start, before I cede over to Ray, by acknowledging that there is a small, somewhat tenuous connection to not Shang-Chi, but to the Mandarin character between Mandarin and Fin Fang Foom. Mm-hmm. That said, before Ray starts, I don't think it's Fin Fang Foom. Ray, go. It's a very good chance it may not be. I think it is only because of that connection you mentioned and because Marvel doesn't make mistakes. They don't do things without purpose, right? <laughs> so I know... Oh, sorry. That wasn't Marvel. That was us dumbasses. That was not Marvel. Um, uh, but you, show, you showed us in, the, in our group chat um, the toy that says the Great Protector. Is that what it's called? I showed you multiple toys. Right, but I'm saying they they named him the what? The Great Protector? Something something Protector, yeah. And I know Marvel, normally the only real spoilers you get from Marvel movies are the toys. But a lot of the times, that's that's the best, well, unless you're talking to Mark Ruffalo or Tom Holland. But uh, (laughs) Right, right. A lot of the times, they'll put them under a certain name until the movie comes out and it's such and such and such, right? So it and it could it could be there. You mentioned very adequate, very correctly that the Fing Fang Foom isn't the only dragon in the lore of Marvel, especially not in the in the Asian continent, right? It's right. multiple, right? But yeah. I think the only one that makes yeah. sense. There were there were like four. There's like I, I, yeah, there's like three Marvel dragons in the Marvel version of China. I don't think this is the one that you... I can't remember his name, but the one that... Is it Shen, Shao Lao or whatever? But the one that Iron Fist gets the heart of to get the Shi. No. I don't, I don't think, so. think this is him. Yeah. So then I don't know the third one you're talking about. I know Moon Girl and the Dragon, but that's not in Asia. So Fing Fang Fung makes sense to me. Yeah. I, it makes sense... I, here's my pushback. I, Ray, honest to God, I think this is a case of fans seeing what they want to see and not seeing what we've been shown. Like, because it's not just that these toys, like, these toys have been put out, they've been selling. Like, it's not, a lot of times when you see, like, the fake head fake thing, those things aren't on shelves. Those things aren't being bought. This is stuff, like, you can go buy that Funko Pop that I put in our chat. You can go buy that toy. Yeah. Like that's like you can get that thing at Walmart. So to me, it's just 
I think it's going to, and I went back and I looked in the context of the trailer too, and it looks very much like this is some sort of encounter he's having when he's with his mother, or at least who I'm assuming is his mother, and kind of coming to terms with who he is. Like, this is an origin story. And so I think that it's, I think it's more along those lines. If it were to turn out to be Fin Fang Foom, I just think that's a very interesting creature and character to introduce into a into a story involved like because the only way my brain can kind of see fin fang foom being in this is if it's like mandarin's trying to summon fin fang foom to do blah 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 and that's a real injustice to that character a shape-shifting is horribly manipulative so i'll agree with that but I i lean more towards the protector i don't i i just don't see it I agree with your point there, but it wouldn't be the first time Marvel has underutilized a villain. Number one. No, not at all. I mean, and they num- love to kill their villains. 100%. And number two, and I think most pertinently, um, we just spoke about it today. Sylvie may actually be the Enchantress, but when they sell Sylvie toys, it's not going to say Enchantress. It's going to say Sylvie. So sometimes two characters can be, they can, they can make two characters one. So, you know, sure, it may end up really being Fang Fang Foom, but they just named it the Great Protector because it, I don't know, it's they don't want to give it away or it makes more sense in the context of the movie or whatever it is. So, you know, Dave, is he grasping for straws? I'll tell you guys exactly who it is. This is going to be the first time that Disney and Marvel actually cross over. It's Pete's Dragon. That's got to be oh, who it is. Sure. There of you course. go. I solved it. Build, Problem solved. Could he build Raya's dragon? I can't even remember the dragon's name in Raya the Last Dragon. But <laughs> I, I, as far as I mean, who knows? It could be Fin Fang Foom. It could be the Great. It could be some brand new dragon that is nowhere in the Marvel comics. As we've said <laughs> numerous times today, they take a lot of liberties with whatever they deem fit to take liberties with. So this could be a completely. For all we know, he's in Loch Ness, and he just came across a Loch Ness monster. No one knows. <laughs> that's Nessie? Yeah, that's Nessie. It could be. I mean, there's no context to where he is, so who the fuck knows? <laughs> it could be anything. I mean, it could be Fin Fang Foom. It could be. It, it, it's this is, this is the speculation that gets us all in trouble. It's Mephisto. You see Mephisto around every corner. Now, you know, you got, who the fuck knows? We never saw Mephisto, though. We actually no. literally saw a dragon. A dragon. Yes, we saw a dragon. <laughs> leave, true. leave it there. Yeah, we'll leave it at that, and we'll move into what I do believe is trailer 9,376,282 of the Suicide Squad. Dave shared it right before we jumped on this show. This one goes into a little bit more of a backstory for the Idris Elba character, really firmly establishing his his character as the main character, the protagonist within the Suicide Squad. I don't have a ton of reactions to this other than this is going to sound a little bad. I'm kind of tired of Suicide Squad trailers. There's like a bit I'll, like. It's only been like three of them. No, it feels like way more. And I get it. Bloodsport's the guy and, you know, you're doing, it feels like between full length trailers and short teaser trailers, I, I actually feel inundated like with, with Suicide Squad trailers. So 
with that, I'm going to step back. Dave, why don't you kick this one off? How are you feeling about what do you think of this newest trailer? This well, is the latest trailer. I mean, they've clearly turned Bloodsport into Deadshot. That's uh, that's like I think right. Ray had made the comment about that. Uh, they, it's 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 interesting to me that they're saying that he's the one who put Superman in the ICU with a kryptonite bullet, which I'm pretty sure that was Deadshot as well. At some who knows? Uh, it's it's interesting that there does seem to be some continuation. Okay, so we're in a world where Superman is clearly come back to life, and something's going on with him, and. And blood sports put him into the ICU. Um, I did like, you know, the John Cena stuff was was quite humorous and, and he continues to knock it out of the park with everything that he does. Uh, it's it's going to be a very fun movie. It's coming out August 6th. Like Ray said, we're almost there. I'm anticipating this. I do like in a DC property. They put by the great James Gunn, director of Guardians of the Galaxy. He's like, way to pimp the competition right there, guys. Excellent move. Smartly done. No, you can't. I'm not. I'm going to. It's a fucking successful movie franchise. Of course it is. Right? Like, you, 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 you put out the, this guy, the guy who well, brought you this. It's a way of jump- adding credibility to suicide because the first one went so badly. So it's like, hey. We got somebody who knows what the fuck they're doing this time, and here you go. And we're not going to use the shitty Enchantress, unlike the cool one in Loki. We're not going to use the shitty Enchantress from Suicide Squad. We got better stuff going on here. So, I let's yeah, get to we the got mo- Starro the Starfish. Now that yes. that is that is a big deal. That you know there it does look like they're bringing in Starro, and that was the very first villain the Justice League ever fought. So that's a, a really interesting choice of of big bad for this movie <laughs> isn't it though it is like, what do you even what do you even how do you even begin the process but that makes sense why they got so many damn people on the suicide squad this time right because last time it was six before um, after slipknot killed himself it, it was like six of them you know now it's like 12 starro's gonna fucking kill half of them or turn the other half into his own starfish minions or whatever and I, you know, it, it is, it is an interesting choice as far as villain is concerned, but I'm all in. Yeah. Let's see some starfish action. I mean, if you can turn a starfish into something badass, you've really accomplished something. Tony, you made a statement about our good friend, John Cena in the chat. Share their thoughts with the rest of the group, with the rest of the class. Yeah, I, I think he's got a few things. I mean, F9, Ray, you know, you, you were, uh, Look at look at him go there. Um, John Cena's got some stuff coming out, and I think he's going to surprise some people that aren't necessarily wrestling fans or have been up on him. I, I think he's just he he really seems like a guy who would take to the craft, right, and invest himself in that. So, yeah, I think this is definitely going to be a much better version of the Suicide Squad. I think it's going to be action and comedy. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be a serious storyline with a lot of action and the rest of it's just comedy. And and that's okay. That's like, that's kind of playing to the success of like doom patrol. Like we talked about off the air a little bit, right? That's, that's the a dark storyline highlighted by comedy. So hey, it looks like they got the right cast. It for worked it. for guardians. So, Hey, let's go. That's, I, literally, uh, that's literally the blueprint for this is right. what guardians did. I think these trailers are showing exactly why John Cena got the spinoff show. Yeah. He steals like, the show I, I, every time he's on. Like every tra- like and he only has like a 30 second line in this where he's talking about 
the starfish also being another name for a butthole. Is that is that any correlation? And, and I mean, it's it's just it's deadpan delivery. It's well done. So yeah, John Cena going. I, he's he's the next Dave Batista. This is going to be his breakout movie. That's going to truly make him a leading guy and allow him some other opportunities. That probably has a, an opportunity to be a bigger star than than what Dave could reach, even if it's just by factor of his age. Because da- well, Dave was talking, because Dave was talking about it and and how this is his last, like this next Guardians movie is his last one because he's feeling like he's getting too old to play Drax. Well, also Dave doesn't want to do the movies that John and The Rock would do. Dave wants to be an artiste. And do artistic movies where he plays character-driven yeah, Ar- things. Ar- Army of the Dead was a high-brow film. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Not the art. John and John and Dwayne are like, I'll take the money, you know. And Dwayne's Give like, me the I money. need Dave, Give me the box. Yeah, Dave's like, Listen, I, I need to Bati- do my craft. Batista made it clear he did not want to be in a movie with Cena or The Rock. Yeah, there is that. So, all right. That's going to close the book on this week's visit to the trailer park. We're going to take another quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to do a little trip around the nerdosphere before we get to that. And before we get to the recorded commercials, it is my duty to remind you to head over to pro forward slash the chair shot and invest in a chair shot radio sponsored t-shirt. We have all kinds of great stuff in there. Sayings made popular by people like Ray Cash and hashtag journalism. Sayings made popular by absolutely no one but myself in Everybody Hates Craig. Sayings and shows that we all know and love, like the aforementioned show you are listening to, Bandwagon Nerds. Or if you like video games, get the Winner Is You t-shirt. Also there, multiple designs of a Winner Is You, by the way. You feeling some Zelda? You can get that one. Feeling some old school Nintendo Pro Wrestling logo? You can get that one. Uh, you can also get OG Chair Shot logos, all kinds of great stuff for the low, low price of $19.99. Or if you're feeling fancy, spend a few dollars more, get it soft style, the preferred style of one Miranda Morales. And I think like it's like three or four bucks more, and it feels good on your giblets, everyone. I heard it you all cozy and comfy and all that. So if you like what we do, if you like the content that we put out every day for you, help us keep making that great content by heading over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shirt, chair shot, chair shot, and get us, get yourself a chair shot t-shirt. Once again, that is prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot. When we come back, we're going to let Ray pontificate and bloviate on one of his favorite movie franchises. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. Do we have that kind of time? This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, Podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. Okay, welcome back, everyone. Home stretch of this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds as we bring you news news around the nerdosphere. 
And it's funny. A couple of these news bits I actually just put out there because they made me think of people. And the first one uh, that I'm going to go with actually made me think of Dave. Because Dave is a big fan of this video game, this little video game franchise on the Xbox. Um, it's minorly popular. It's it's what Halo is is the is the show something it's like aliens are involved there's a chief who's a master or something like that master chief not master chef honey master chief just oh it's a great yeah. show wednesdays on fox there you go great chefs they've already had on they've already had paula dean uh hirimoto curtis stone Seriously. I, I had to start it didn't i um i'm i'm excited about a Halo live action series. This is a franchise that screams live action. I mean, really, anybody who watched like back in the old days, remember uh, anybody who played Halo and they did red, red and blue, those things on YouTube, those were some great, funny freaking shows. So this is a franchise that needs a live action series could probably benefit from a live action movie. Although I'm glad it's going to streaming first because Let's be honest, video games and movies don't exactly go so well together. Doom, um, things like that. It's very hit and miss, mostly miss. So, yeah, I'm I'm all for it. I mean, I want to see what timeline they're, they're doing it and, and how they're going to integrate the Halo universes. I know how you love extended universes, Pat, but uh, the Halo universe has got a lot of stuff out there. Well, and this, it's... I'm glad that you're happy and excited, but the but what concerns me is the the story I actually shared. The reason I shared it is because the showrunner is departing after they finish production of the first season. So the first season is currently in production, and it's just never a good sign when a showrunner departs this quickly, because it means one of two things: it means the show's trash and the showrunner's trying to get out of it, or there are some serious creative differences between the showrunner and someone else. Now, whether that is the executives, the producers, Paramount, whoever, but when, when showrunners leave and you bring on new ones, that is a danger to the show. And it it worries me that we haven't even got season one out of the way and the showrunners already out. Um, my, my classic example of this is uh, the TV show American Gods on Showtime has had three different showrunners. Like, it just keeps going through hodgepodge, and it got canceled because you can't keep it up. Like, you just can't keep it up if, if, you, if you're going through so many different artistic visions. Um, Ray, thoughts on a Halo franchise? Well, so I read the article. And in the article, I know there was two showrunners. One of them left. We don't know why. But the other one, who is staying on for the rest of the finish of the first season, is leaving for season two. But the reason given, again, this is the reason given, maybe not the truth, is that they've been in Budapest for two years and he's ready to come home because he has some personal shit he has to handle. So if that's really, truly the case, then I don't think that's the case of either or. Because normally you're right. If you see these guys in and out, it's creative differences or the show sucks. Um, I I don't know how you could fuck up Halo because it's almost there's so many video games. I know we got uh the and uh, uh Uncharted. I believe it. What is that? The one with uh, Tom Holland coming out and so yeah. many other uh, video games that can be adapted in movies that whatever. Halo's built for that. 
literally everything about Halo was built for. Now, I hate Halo because I suck at it. But other than that, visually, it's built for a movie or a show. So it would really be horrible and disheartening if it doesn't work. So they need to figure it out. You know what's fun? You mentioned video game franchises being turned into TV. So this article, it's a variety article, actually has a list of video game franchises being translated into series. Castlevania, an anime series on Netflix, just wrapped up. Resident Evil, coming soon to Netflix. Cyberpunk 2077, anime, coming to Netflix. The Last of Us, coming Mm -hmm. um, to HBO, live action. Halo, coming to Paramount+. Plus. Assassin's Creed, coming to Netflix. Diablo, coming to Netflix. I don't know how I feel about that one. Oh, I'm not done. Okay. Fallout, coming to Amazon. Far Cry, coming to Netflix. Skull and Bones, which I've never even heard of that game, coming to TBA. Hasn't found a distributor yet. Splinter Cell, coming to Netflix. Tomb Raider, coming to Netflix. And last but not least, Twisted Metal, looking for a home. Let's go. The real sweet tooth. The real sweet tooth. Two thoughts that come to mind. Is this all off the back of the success of The Witcher? So if you can do this correctly, I mean, that that was a highly popular video game as well. And who's got the balls? Who's got the chutzpah? Who's got the vision to give us Zelda, the series? Which which Zelda do you do? Well, that's the problem. Who's got the vision? You know who do it? There's a lot of story to tell there. You could start and stop anywhere. I mean... There is so much shit there. Isn't I mean, that's what Amazon is doing now that they got all the Lord of the Rings and the Zelda. They heard me stuff. say it. They're already working on it. Yeah. Fucking Vince McMahon with shit all, all over again. <laughs> God. No, no, no. I, I think out of the ones you mentioned, The Last of Us and Fallout have the best potential to be really, really good. Diablo could be ton done to like they could turn that into a Witcher sort of dungeon crawlish adventure but yeah there's right, no there's, there's no real storyline going through diablo yeah it's just diablo is such a hack and slash game i loved it when i was 20 um yeah i, I name a what what what's a good video game for outside of the witcher which we all like what's a good video game franchise show or movie series that you've seen out there? Cause I, I don't say resident evil cause I, I'm going to disagree with you. Movie? But, well, are we talking, is it good or successful? Cause resident evil is successful. Tomb Raider has been successful. There's been a lot of them that have been successful. What's good. I can't think of any series out there that can you, other than the Witcher originated from a video game though. Like I can think of things that were something else turned into a video game and had more success after that. But I can't think of anything that like started a one project was make a video game, turn this into a series. That's really tough. Um, And, and to be fair, video games, video games are built differently now. Video games have scripts and storyboards and these things. Much more cinematic. Yeah. Which makes sense for them to be easily transferable. I'd be curious that somebody hasn't tried to transform a Grand Theft Auto into a movie or series. You make a point. Mass I mean, what's the 
Mass Effect right. would be the one that I'd be thinking that should be turned into a, a series. Mass Effect is good. Mass Effect is a good one. Yeah. What is it? Red Dead Re- Revolver, Redemption, whichever Red one. Redemption, Redemption, yeah. Redemption. I know there's another Revolver. Is the Last one. of Us the Last of Us is the uh, vampire. Well, I don't know about it's a zombie no. apocalyptic thing. What's the one with with Kratos? God of War. God of War. God of War. That character needs to be on TV or or a movie. I don't know about the. I've never played the and, games. And Gears. So I don't know about the series. Gears of War is that another guy. one. Gears of War that, is another one they could turn into. That Jim Carrey Sonic movie was a fucking hit. Can't tell me otherwise. Great point. That's a great point. I own it. I do too. I was um, being facetious. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you exactly why I own it. it it's probably Ray can probably agree with this. It's my kid. kid. Yep. Kid freaking ate that thing for breakfast and twice on Sunday. Nice. Loves that movie. And, and it's not the worst movie in the world. Like I didn't find myself being like, "God, get me out of here." It's not like yes. it was the Skywalker. It's so. Oh God, it's fairly enjoyable. It's, it's enjoyable. It's not. It's not it like, wasn't no. You bought to witness or GI Joe, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, it's not like Ray. It's not like taking Ray to see Arach. Talk. He doesn't talk. It's not like taking Ray to see arachnophobia or something. It's nothing like that. Oh, I'm, okay. I'm okay with arachnophobia. There's so, another part of it, but thank you for that. I will hang up on this call right to fuck now. Quit playing. No, you won't. You're too happy to be back to hang up on the call. Damn, rook- damn uh, rookies, man. Shut up and be happy damn, to be here, rookie. Amateur. All right, let's move on to some Star Wars news. We got word this week that Rogue Squadron, Patty Jenkins' new uh, Star Wars film, found a writer. We will be... um, Oh, shoot, I'm going to lose the name. Where did the name go? We... At this time, we'd like to remind you to head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. While Patrick O'Dowd tries to find the name of Matthew Robinson, who uh, has signed on to be the writer, uh, reportedly, uh, for Star Wars Rogue Squadron. This was broken by the Hollywood Reporter. Uh, He's known for writing, oddly enough, Dora and the Lost City of Gold, which I did not watch. But uh, Greg DeMarco, I do believe, has caught it. Ray, did you catch it? Dora the Explorer? Is that what we're talking about? That's the live-action one. You know they did the live-action movie. I'm trying to forget the animated ones, Ray. Oh, my God. My my children, my my daughter grew up on that. Same map! Same map! Backpack, backpack. Anyway, go ahead, Ray. The backpack song is fire. Um... I don't know if you were laying out anymore. My only question is: no, no, he, also, he also wrote *Love and Monsters*, and he was a co-writer with Ricky Gervais in the 2009 movie *The Invention of Lying*, which did not do well domestically. Uh, but I think that has more to do with Ricky Gervais and American audiences than it really does the, the skill of the writing. People people tend not to dig him so much, but. Yeah, I you know I know I know enough about the invention of lying, and it was a witty script. It was pretty darn good. I enjoyed it. Uh, I haven't seen Love and Monsters yet, though I want to. Uh, I just made the assumption, given the target audience, that you may have seen Dora and the Lost City of Gold. Ray, I don't know if you we ever should have. have. We never did, and I don't know why we didn't. Yeah. But I mean, again, I own every streaming service known to man, so I'm going to watch eventually. Ray seems a lot madder about it than his daughters might actually be. Mm. No, I so I was disappointed when they made it live action because that's not something that should have been live action. 
But uh, I'm surprised they haven't watched it. Water movies too, right? One of what? It's one of those fish out of water movies, a la the yeah. Brady Bunch movies, where That's... like Dora is in high school amongst all these like normal teenagers, and Dora is out of place because she grew up in the jungle with her archaeologist parents or something like that. This is so gonna sound funny. Boot, so it's a bootleg Doogie Howser. Basically, like Dora will never be anywhere near as cool as Doogie Hauser. So just stop it right there, Tony. Dude, I'm going, Wanda. Yeah. I'm going Wanda. Back. It is almost similar to Mean Girls in that how Katie came from the jungle and got thrown into like society, but they end up going back to the jungle. Uh, but we're not here to talk about that. My question about Rogue Squadron, Rogue Squadron is will Poe Dameron be in this movie? I don't think so, because I'm not sure where I'm sitting there. I'm trying to look. It was described that what's when the, the time, film was what, announced. What's the timeline they're looking at? They've never, they've never really said. Um, they said this supposed to be a new story, a brand up, new let story. Let me answer your fucking questions. Let me answer your questions. Jesus. Swiper, no swiping. From the article that I shared with you all. Back when Jenkins' film was announced, it was described as, quote, introducing a new generation of starfighter pilots as they earn their wings and risk their lives in a boundary-pushing, high-speed thrill ride and move the saga into the future era of the galaxy. Jenkins later confirmed that despite its sharing a title with a popular N64 game, the film will have an original story that draws from the games, books, and more. That's, so it doesn't really stay. Yeah, that's ambiguous enough to be cool. Um, I, I don't know where... <laughs> it's going to be a really good... Because Rogue Squadron, I mean, anything, whether you've read the books, whether you've played the games... Anything Rogue Squadron related is awesome. People love X-Wings. I mean, how pe- how charged did people get from the appearance of X-Wings a few places in Mandalorian? And of course, at the end, where it made a big difference. But sign me up. Take my money right now. 2023 can't come fast enough. Speaking of video games, what, give me Star Fox. That's one oh, I'd like to see. There you go. Only if that fucking frog dies. Fair. I hate the damn frog. I'm with you. He yeah. always gets trouble. Baby Yoda yeah. could eat the frog. I mean, Gro- Grogu could eat the frog. You know, there you go. That's a big ass frog, baby. Spell crossover. Okay. I have a lot of faith in Patty Jenkins as a director. Um, though I do think that Wonder Woman 1984 is too damn long. Uh, I still think she's made two very fine, high quality movies. Let's move into one of my favorite stories. As a movie that I keep desperately waiting to come out, keeps not coming out, hashtag 2027, Warner Brothers does another release date shakeup, and Dune, which was originally supposed to be released around October 1st, has now been moved to October 23rd. All right, I'm sorry. It was originally scheduled for November 11th, 2020, then got moved to December 18th. Then, because of the pandemic, got moved to 2021 in October. And now we're still, I think, I thought I saw a date that said it was October 22nd. That looks like where we are now. Um, This movie is supposed to be epic. It's huge. I shared a trailer with you guys forever ago. 
Will we see this movie? Yes. October yeah, 22nd. Is October 22nd when we will see this movie? I, I think so. They've promised it. It's it's on all the advertisements for this movie's coming out this year um, on HBO because, you know, at the end of the year, it's not going to be no more same day on HBO. So, like, they got to get it out before the year's over. I, I watched In the Heights when I could just so I didn't lose it. Damn right. Yeah, I think it's... Is it good? It's... Yes, fantastic. I got I to check that out. It's on my list. Any, anybody using the pandemic as an excuse anymore to not get your content out, uh, you're asking for trouble. So I don't think they want to do that for a variety this of reasons. Less, this is less about that part of it than it was. Remember, this is the director that was in a real tussle with HBO over the release of this film on HBO Max. He fought it and Lionsgate backed him. Um, and eventually they came to some sort of compromise. Um, and and on some level, I kind of agree with it. Like, this looks like a movie that you should go watch on an IMAX screen, to be blunt. But you're going to have that well, option. So, I mean, it's all right. True, but I can also just see it at my house on the service I already pay for, as, as Tony has pointed out. It's very tempting. Sure, but there are some movies that even uh, the recluse like me that would watch every movie on TV... Would want to say I need to go see it Except in the movie. Except for Flash Gordon. Can't get you to watch that damn 40 movie. times, baby. 40, 40 times, baby. Look, shout out to Steve, Steve shout out to Steve Mongo McMichael taking that tombstone from Flash Gordon. I, it's amazing. <laughs> Sam but, Jones. Oh. Yeah, same shit. <laughs> um, you know the interesting. We talked about it last week, uh, me and Tony and Platt, about whether Black Widow would be the movie to convince you to go back to the theaters. It just seems like there's so much nostalgia with the just going back to the movies thing that maybe that drives some people back. I don't know. You know what movie? You know what movie off the top of my head I could think of if it's in 3D that would get me to go back to the movie theater would be the Ryan Reynolds one where all the free guy, free guy. Like, like, yeah, everything is normal. And then they're like, they, when you see this blip, you put on your glasses and then the rest of it, anytime he goes into that world, that shit, that would be a perfect, like I've been such a 3d guy. That's basically what's gotten me to the movies, star Wars, Marvel, et cetera. So, but I, I've been twice since in, in the past few months, I saw spiral, the saw movie in theaters. And then I just saw fast nine this weekend. So I, I felt comfortable. Nice and segue, the, and they're not Ray. crazy. Big. Nice segue, Ray. Real quick, real quick, Pat. Real quick, Patrick. Yep. It, it, in that article, did you not notice it was interesting that I believe MGM is fighting itself with the Adams Family and Transylvania Four or the Trans or whatever it is for movie? They're fighting with the same. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it can't be the snake that eats its own tail, right? Like it's such a entertainment is such a, a fascinating little thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, Black Widow is going to be the movie that brings me back to the movie theater. Uh, I've already talked about that. I've been pretty open about that. I know Tony disagrees. Dune is probably one that I'll have to go see on my own, but that I want to see because I've dug the the story, and it is a sprawling, epic series of books. And if you've got time on your hands, it's it's very engaging. Game of Thrones level shit. Uh, if if you want to get to it, so. Lots of intrigue. It's a very, it's very much a, a, a movie of politically political intrigue and betrayal. So, totally worth the time. All right, Ray, you mentioned it. You've been to see it. This 
movies that may be bringing people out, Fast 9, F9, may have been a big step in doing it. As according to reports, and you know, we'll have a better idea by the time this podcast drops just how much it earns. But they're estimating a pandemic-era domestic box office record. Oh, God. Is that the way we're going to break shit down? That's the way that Variety is breaking shit down. I'm fucking out. $68 million debut for the latest installment. Well, you're scoffing, but not every theater is bringing back full capacity. I think it's actually why do we like? Oh, we're gonna. This is how we're gonna promote our movie because we. Oh, we set a pandemic record. Like fucking shut well, up. Just say people came. Let us fucking use our own better judgment. If people don't get it, then they can fuck off. Like I don't even want to start with this crap. Classifying shit as fucking. Oh well, since the pandemic, like shut the fuck up, dude. Just shut the fuck up. All right. That damn shut cloud. Up. That and, damn cloud. And, and Come on now. Gentlemen, I'm the what do, what, do, what do I look like a fucking cat jumping all wimbly nimbly from tree to tree? Christ. Anyway, so Ray, you went and saw this movie. Did it earn its $68 million? Goddamn right. Goddamn right. Hell to the yes. Fucking it pandemic is. record, Ray. Hey, Pat, look, if this bitch would have came out outside of pandemic, it would have had like what broke records well, it's, just just honest question for you were there any restrictions on seating in your theater i don't know if there were any restrictions that they said i know when yes so technically yes when you buy tickets you can't buy them uh you can't buy them next to another group right so when you so no, I adjacent, buy my tickets, no adjacent seats yes but also everybody wasn't out now it was a lot more people than i expected but the theater was not full Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, and also ma- majority of people weren't wearing masks. Of course, me and my daughter were this, that, and the other. Um, but it, I was surprised to see as many people that were there. That didn't take me aback that there was that many people. Um, yes, the, I know you guys aren't into the movies. That's fine. Everybody has their own thing. It is. Wait, I like the first six, and then it just got okay enough. But go ahead. No. But that's the that's the I'll thing about it. Chicken himself. You're absolutely right. It is the most asinine, fantastical, unbelievable shit in the world. But it fucking works. At one point in the movie, Tyrese kills fourteen people. He's in a pit, and I, he's in a pit, and they're all shooting at him, and he doesn't get shot once. That's part of the joke of the movie: is that so we're he's, invincible. He's Rambo. You're, is what you're Basically. saying? Basically, he's Rambo. It's ridiculous. Okay. They go but, to space in a rocket car. It's ridiculous, the but it's fantastic. Dollar beats deal, dog. And and I got to I got to shout to I got to shout the homie, Big Match John Cena. John Cena is a star. We knew that as wrestling fans, but he has a magnetism about him on screen that he just lights up a screen whenever he's on it. We knew that about him. Yeah, exactly. I, we knew that about him in a comedic standpoint because we know he's fantastic at, at at comedy. He has great comedic timing. But in a serious role, he always used to kind of take himself too seriously. He's lost that. He killed it. He's in scenes with Charlie Theron, and Charlie Theron has said, "Yeah, he 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 had to help me with my with the line I forgot." Oh, I bet he helped her out. <laughs> Ray, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. 
this whole F9 series is really, if you if you break it down, the storyline is really a lot about family, right? That's the whole overarching thing of the movie. So of why the does it take nine fucking installments for us to figure out that Vin Diesel has a goddamn brother? I'm glad you brought that up. Can I explain that? No, do, I don't oh, want to. Oh, you're being rhetorical. Okay, because I mean, you want to be rhetorical. Friendly reminder that, that I'm, like nerds kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No, that's, that's, that's actually the the whole point of the movie and the whole point, they want people to explain this because the past two movies have attacked Dominic Toretto's ideology of family, right? Because his ideology of family has always been, it's every, I made my own family. The people who I care about are my family. You don't have to have my last name, right? So when you watch this movie and you see what happened to his brother and why they split and why they separated and why nobody knows about it, then when you think about the Toretto family as it is, Tyrese and Ludacris and so on and so forth, they're looking at him like, how do you let this shit happen and not tell nobody? So it's really, it's, it's really, I think, clever in the sense of how they wait. And then it's not lost on them that the first movie where his son is an integral part of the movie, because I don't know if you know, spoiler alert, at the end of the movie, he had a son, the last one. His son is a big part of this movie. They talk about his dad a lot in his movie, this movie, and how it happened, and then his brother. These all happened, and, and they became they, they, the confluence came together for a purpose. So there's a reason, and it would have it would have killed the entire apex of the entire storyline had he you known about him from the very beginning. There's a very very clear and interesting reason why he's never brought up before this. And they put cars in space. So okay. not cars, not cars, one car. Oh, sorry. I have to Tokyo Drift. I have a question Great for you guys before Patrick gets to his question. My question to you guys: What's the greatest line that John Cena has ever said in a movie? He hasn't oh, said he, it yet because I haven't watched Suicide Squad. No, this when is, he when he when he butt chugged the the no the beer. I will enter you. There you I go. That's butt it. Butt chugged salt water all the time. That's not John Cena. But good enough. It was Pretty wait, close. Andrew Belaz equals John Cena. No, not in any fucking parallel uh, universe so everywhere. Anywhere. And on that note. Is mayonnaise an instrument? What to go jellyfishing? What am I supposed to do all day while you're at school? Can I use your bathroom? Who's your friend? What does claustrophobic mean? <laughs> you know what the problem is? <laughs> What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. I just needed to play that sound bite to just get past. Like, I, 
taste in my mouth after. No, I'm I'm kidding. So we uh, we talked about one show earlier today. We talked about this is pop. And guys, I'm telling you, we're going to be doing a music episode sooner rather than later, I think, as it just has really been on my mind ever since we started a couple of the conversations in the chat. And I don't know if it's just what I've been viewing lately, but a lot of stuff has been popping up um, within the streaming services that has been about music. And this is pop is one of them, a series that I'm looking forward to checking out. And in my never ending quest to get you guys to check out stuff on Apple Plus, I came across a series today uh, that I started called 1971, the year that changed music. And it's an eight episode. Hold on, Dave, because you're already making a face. You have already shit on this series. Well, what it does is it covers this, this year where some very significant transformative pieces of music came out. Imagine was written in 1971. What's going on? by Marvin Gaye was written in 1971. Um, Won't Get Fooled Again by The Who, written in 1971. Carole King released uh, her debut album, um, and I'm forgetting the name of it, um, that, or uh, I'm going to, I'm going to lose it, but it's, it's the year the Beatles broke up. Like it's the year that, protest in america was as strong as it ever was protesting the vietnam war protesting economic disparity and music was just this like there was an explosion of motivate like politically motivated music sound changed uh and it all comes in the wake of uh, of this this decade in the 60s where it was a little bit more idyllic uh and I've only watched one episode so far, but it was really, really interesting. The second episode that I'm getting ready to watch is about the influence of drugs and on um, what it did to Sly, um, Sly Stone from Sly and the Family Stone and uh, John Morrison and the Doors. Um, it, it's, it looks amazing. It's it's an eight episode series. Uh, I'm going to be probably talking more about it in, in the next few days as I watch more of this. But what it got me to thinking, what what it led to, led me to in this question is, if you could pick any era of music, and, and I guess the easiest way to do this would maybe be to split it into decades, you can only have one decade of music to listen to. What decade are you going with? And for me, it is, it's, and I'm biased, for me, it's the 1970s. It's it's Queen, it's Miles Davis doing Bitches Brew, it's all this stuff that we, you know, I just talked about the Who at the height of their power, Zeppelin at the height of their power. Um, I, I'm not even going to lie, I like disco. Um, I think that it's, it's an unfairly maligned form of music, and we don't have popular music without disco. Um, much in the same way that... It's the Barry Gibb Talk Show, talking it up. On the Barry Gibb talk show. See, Tony gets it. Um, so, yeah. So, for me, it's the 70s. Uh, mostly because of Queen. But there's a lot of other great stuff that, that comes out of that decade and, and that I have a lot of affinity toward. Both, All three of you look like you're you're stuck here. So, why don't I pick on PC? Yeah, Tony? we're good. Yeah. I got, I got mine. No, no. I got mine. I don't think we're stuck. Um, if I would, I would, I would say 69 was a big mover and shaker in years that kind of, uh, changed the course of music history considering Woodstock happened that summer. But if I had to pick one decade, 
only to listen to would be the 90s. And it was sure. the year I was, the years I was coming of age. I was in high school. Like I was becoming, and, and the, the, the sound from the heavy metal side and the grunge side and the alternative music side is fucking phenomenal. And then add in uh, the hip hop and the rap side of things. It's just, it's such a great time. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Zeppelin and Pink Floyd and like Paul Simon and, 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 um, uh, werewolves of London. What's the guy's name? Warren um, Zevon. Warren Zevon and guys of that nature, right? Like a lot of eighties rock too, but I still get a lot of those people in, into the nineties. Um, so that's, that's where I would live at. That's a great question, Patrick. Dave, you, uh, well, let me go. Cause I got the same answer and I want Dave to finish cause he has a different answer, but yes, it'd be the nineties for me. And I, of course, clearly that we picked the nineties cause that's when we kind of grew up, but you have, you start with grunge, you go into nineties R and B, which is my God, fantastic. You go into the, the kind of the growth nationally. East of coast, West coast, East coast, West coast. Um, but it, and it's, it's bigger than just that, but that, and then you end with the beginning of team pop. In sync, Britney Spears, in sync, Backstreet Boys, Christina Aguilera, Free Britney. Yeah, man. So it's 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 like, and then you start off at the very beginning. You get the tail end of the the new generation of hip hop with guys like Nelly and Eminem and and DMX and these people. It that's just such a great genre, all to get great year decade all together of all genres. So. I think AK Break Your Heart was in that decade. Shout out to Billy Ray Cyrus. Fuck. Can I can never I, hear that again? Yeah. Shout Billy Ray Cyrus. No shout out to Billy. Um, Brooks, everything my roots, everything Pat the that you said about the 70s, I, I agree with 100%. For me, it's the 80s. Um, I grew up in the 80s. I was a teenager. I was playing in bands in the 80s, and the 80s saw the advent of of bands like Metallica, a lot of the thrash metal bands like Suicidal Tendencies became really big then. You've got uh, just a, a lot of different bands, a lot of different genres starting. Guns and Roses. Yeah, you got Guns Michael Joe. Yeah, Guns and Roses. Yeah, yeah, Thriller come out. And a lot of the bands you talked about in the 70s, the Pink Floyds, the Who, the Stones, they're all still active and putting out Kiss, putting out great music in the 80s as well. Kiss gets unmasked. And puts out and rejuvenates their career and proves to everybody, hey, we're not just guys in makeup. We can actually play some. Uh, so for me, yeah, the hair metal days, poi- I mean, all those bands who just get such a shitty reputation, who in my opinion are far more talented than they've ever gotten credit for. Uh, that's just what I grew up with. I That to me was the best. If I just had one decade, I mean, most of the stuff I listened to is 80s stuff. You know, give me Hair Nation on Sirius XM. I can stay there all day. Um, so the album I was trying to remember by Carol King, by the way, is Tapestry. Um, was was the album she put out in 1971 that was huge. Uh, yeah, here's a, here's what's really funny with me as a kid growing up. My parents and my music. I was really I didn't really listen to popular music as a kid. I listened to what my parents listened to. And so I like I wasn't up with my peers like I was listening to the oldie station, the hits of the 60s, 70s, 
uh, at, at all the time. And so that's really, and that's where my passion for Queen uh, comes from. And then the Who, Neil Diamond, another one. You probably have a big respect for Motown. I fucking love Motown. The Temptations, by the way, it, it, like the history of Motown in general, uh, from its roots and where it started to becoming one of the most like like they had so many great artists that went from be, you talk about boys boy bands the temptations could yeah. be argued to be a boy band for a long time and then they put out papa was a rolling stone and then they put out ball of confusion and you know as artists they they just were so in touch but and it all starts with marvin gay though marvin gay kind of took this everything to this whole other level with what's going on and it's ready it otis reading yeah it, it doesn't end the jackson five um diana ross and the supremes um oh it's nuts then you got aretha who you know is just the queen of, of everything and, and you know my favorite song by queen is somebody to love which was freddie's love letter to aretha franklin like that's all of it. So yes, um, the seventies are, are my jam. It, it's what I listen to, uh, and you know, and I still I do listen to to current music. But when I'm looking for a go to in a decade, seventies on seven, Dave, to take your satellite radio numbers. Um, uh, I think that's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Ray, welcome back. It's great. It was great to have you back on the bandwagon. Uh, you you certainly aren't an amateur rookie amateur uh, in my in my what's that? I was going to say you done like, good. You done good, rookie. You done good. Uh, That's right. Yeah, I played like so, a rookie. So why don't you kick everybody off on the once around and tell everybody how they can keep track of you out there in the social media? Um. Okay. This has been so long since I've done this. See, um, now that's can, a rookie mistake. You have now pushed yourself back down to Amsterdam. You can find me at It's Ray Cash, R-E-Y's Mysterio, C-A-S-H as in dollars. I have changed my official account from Fern Gully Forever to Fast 9, the fastest. So, holla at your boy there. Either or. Excellent. David Ungar. You can find me on Twitter at Rookies Rule. And you can Let's also... Go. <laughs> now you can find me on Twitter at Attitude Ag. That is at Attitude Agg, and on Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression. I gotta cancel my Fern Gully membership. Fuck. I bet you can your, your burner account. I'm guessing is punch Joe Girardi in the mouth twenty five. <laughs> Scherzer hashtag Scherzer strip down. There you go. Joe Girardi to the max. All right, Tony. You can find me at PC Tunny, Facebook, Twitter. Please continue to listen to everything Chair Shot Radio Network. Search that on all your favorite streaming platforms. And you know we got you sports entertainment and sports entertainment at chairshot.com. Always use your head. And you can find me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. You can hear me twice on Mondays, every Monday morning with David Ungar doing Chair Shot Radio, talking hockey every afternoon 
happen with this cast of characters on Bandwagon Nerds. And then you can hear me one more time on Wednesdays with Craig DeMarco and Miranda Morales on the Babyface Heel podcast. Also, be sure to follow the Bandwagon Nerds Twitter account at Bandwagon Nerds and follow the ChairShot Media group at ChairShot Media on the Twitter as well. Always use your head. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Now get yourself out of the basement get some sun and listen to some tunes. Cause I got a feeling we got to have some music episodes coming in the bandwagon and you should get yourself in the right frame of mind. You've been listening to bandwagon nerds on the chair shot radio network, a part of the chair shot.com.